What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Power to the gamers. After huge pandemic growth, could a recession spoil the fun? The CEO behind games like Grand Theft Auto, Strauss Zelnick. We have a terrific lineup of hit titles in the mobile space. So engagement's great. Spending is under some pressure in-game. And thousands of jobs in the tech industry have vanished in a matter of days. Jobs pro Jason Greer on the fear factor. If you are scared that potentially you're going to be laid off, get back into the office, protect yourself, get to know your manager because proximity bias is a real thing. All right, all right, all right. McConaughey, Jay-Z and Bezos, possibly new football owners. Of course, one big question, if Jeff Bezos were to emerge as the buyer, whether he might even have to sell his ownership stake in Amazon. Amazon? Plus nearly $2 billion and a Powerball dream. Shark attack, vending machines, lightning strikes, they're all thousands of times more likely than you winning this tax on the stupid. A boy can dream. It's Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Go vote. It's election day. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. I was in for another $10. I, I, went, <laughs> I went to the bodega. I picked him up. I had to go get cash first because, you know, one of the most interesting things is you cannot buy a lottery ticket a using card. a credit card. Why? State laws. It's actually a very good decision because they don't want people racking up credit, credit and therefore debt yeah. having to pay off the credit card bills. Last night's $1.9 billion Powerball drawing was delayed after the Lottery Association said one state needed additional time to process its sales. The association said it has strict security protocols that must be completed before a drawing can occur. It told players to hold on to their tickets as the drawing would remain delayed until at least this morning. So we all await the big number. This, you're I've just... got a picture of my... My, uh, my card right here in case, because I don't want to get lost. In case it comes, I figured I could look during the program. I, I will walk off the set if, in fact, I've won, <laughs> just to be clear. You, you, you Wait, understand. Show me your numbers. You, you're, you're talking about odds, right? You know, so, I'm not talking about odds. I'm talking about dreams. No, no, okay. I'm talking about dreams. Okay, let's dream about a shark attack, because it's about a thousand times more likely you're going to die and your arm's going to get ripped I, off I by a gray white. And you're more likely to get killed by a vending machine accident Joe, than in a shark attack. And in fact, going to that bodega, probably a thousand times more likely you would have been murdered and left on the side of the, of the road in that bodega than you win this lottery ticket. So do you want to attempt the, or, or some horrible one in 10 million disease that people get? People's dreams. Do you know how just think about how you'll feel? How will you feel? Just how you're, great you'll feel when I, I buy feel out horrible your contract. If any of those things happen <laughs> to you, just think about that. I would think feel, about how happy you'll be. I, I just think you're not wake up in the morning anymore. You'll be so happy. You'd still be here. 
I would to still be, be with, here with us. I would still be here. I just think you're That's tempting. You know, if you're, really, if you're really going to hope on some, like one out of 240 million, you're just opening up the possibility for a lot of horrible things that are also one out of 20 million. Leo Blastoma. Not in my favor. But a man can dream. A boy can dream. And that, that's, what, that's what the lottery is about. You heard Robert Frank. Who's smarter about wealth than Robert Frank? Never Nobody. bought a lottery ticket. Never Good bought one. Never would him. ever bought, buy one. Where was the bodega? Let me take, his dreams? I, I want to do where the odds. I want to do the odds on this. Where was the bodega? It, bodega. It wasn't in the Bronx, was it? No. First okay. of all, because then there's this the, you, this overtone. There's crime going on, which is terrible. There and is. That's what I mean. There is, and your chances <laughs> of going to that bodega. Chances bode- of being. Hold on. There's crime. Winning in New York the lottery City. or the going to the bodega. Being, uh, injured or killed in New York City or shot is so much lower than, by the way, not about, the lottery. Oh yes, yeah. What? One in two hundred forty million. Oh, compared to the lottery, yes. sure. But, but on what a relative, point do you, what I, point do you I think, think we I'm do making? such a disservice because we try to, you know, you what tell people that you you're going to get you know, killed in the streets of New York City, where you're going to get killed in so many. By the way, there's about ten. I said states, vending machine accident. states. I said a shark attack. That will where you'll get killed a lot quicker. That's what I said. I said shark attack, vending machines, lightning strikes. Horrible brain can I said all those things, but they're all thousands of times more likely than you winning this stupid tax on the on the poor or whatever it, you want to call it. Tax on the uh, tax, tax on the stupid. <laughs> Polls tax, are now tax on dreaming. Polls are now. Uh, and by the way, he's spending the same amount you spent on a couple of games last night. Stupid Villanova. <laughs> okay, fine. Villanova, <laughs> 15 and a half points. They can't cover. 15 and a half points. And I hit, and I, I had it with Michigan, who did cover. Michigan did cover. Then now, you know what's back? College hoops. I know. Fixed. Did Very you? Exciting. Did you know? You must be. Yeah. Yes. You're going to be watching a lot of that. Yeah, I did. I did lose. That was. I think I lost twenty dollars on that. But I would have won hundred and forty, and that, that's much better odds. News at the intersection of sports and business this morning. Uh, the New York Post reporting that actor Matthew McConaughey will team up with Jeff Bezos and Jay Z try to buy the Washington Commanders from Dan Snyder. McConaughey is said to be a Commanders fan and friends with Snyder. Snyder has found himself embroiled in controversy and has hired bankers to try to consider possible transactions for the team. Reports say multiple suitors for the Commanders are expected. Of course, one big question, if Jeff Bezos were to emerge as the buyer, is whether the the NFL would give him some kind of uh, conflict-free pass or whether he might even have to sell his ownership stake in Amazon. Amazon? No, no. This is. You think that would be a deal? Well, so historic, and I don't know what. Maybe they've already gotten waivers and whatnot. But historically, if you if you've looked at what's happened, I mean, look, we just we just had this situation as we've watched uh, Michael Rubin with the 76ers. Right. Um, That's gambling. Well, that's gambling. But but there've been a there've been a whole number of instances where you have very where you'd probably have to get a waiver from the NFL and the NFL other the other owners to allow uh, this kind of purchase. We'll see. Would the Washington Post hold their feet to the fire when they keep having, they're better this year, but if they have losing seasons with, you know, the Washington Post say, yeah, everything's great. Yeah, the coach is doing wonderful. Uh, I got to tell you, if you read the Washington Post. It's not very um, kind. Unlike a lot of other media organizations, which you might think are in the pocket of their owner or this or that, uh, they have not operated that way. And they have operated, I would argue, very independently from their owner, uh, probably to his own Chagrin, uh, chagrin, yeah, and frustration. So, he's yeah, he's a. To, uh, and by the way, I give him credit for that, for allowing that to happen, and I give them credit for that in terms of how they've operated. 
unlike the journal. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> making any comments. I know. I'm going to wear a blue tie tonight. Don't read anything into that. This or this. What is this? Burgundy? Burgundy. Burgundy. As right. in Ron. It's not actually red. Far be it from me. Ron. Well, that's why I said. Burgundy. Uh, voters yeah, cast Burgundy. their ballots today <laughs> to determine which party will control Congress and state houses across the country. Will this be a change election or will the Democrats maintain their grip on power? Elon Moy joins us right now. She's got more on this story. And Elon, good morning. I think this is the first many times we will be seeing you through the day. Well, good morning, Becky. And you're right. I actually wore green today, too, on purpose. I didn't want to wear red. I didn't want to wear blue because voters are going to be casting their ballots today. But some of the most critical races are so close, we may not know the winners for several days and maybe even weeks. Take Pennsylvania. The state's open Senate race is one of the closest in the country, with some polls showing Republican Mehmet Oz and Democrat John Fetterman in a statistical tie. I will bring balance to Washington, but John Fetterman, he'll bring more extreme. And there is no greater example, no greater example of two people that different running for the Senate. Please send me to Washington, D.C. Send him back to New Jersey. Now, more than a million people have voted by mail, but the state is only starting to count those today. And already, the two parties are in a legal battle over whether misstated ballots should be accepted. Meanwhile, in Georgia, GOP candidate Herschel Walker is running neck and neck with incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. If neither candidate wins at least 50 percent of the vote, they'll have to hold a runoff election in December. And I'm not that politician. I can tell you there, I don't look like one, don't dress like one, don't talk like one. Because I'm that warrior for God that he's prepared me for a moment like this. I want workers all across Georgia and small business owners to know that I see you and I'm ready to serve you for six more years. If you stand up for me, I'll stand up for you. Democrats are also playing defense in three other tight Senate races, Arizona, New Hampshire, and Nevada. If they lose Pennsylvania, they'll have to hold on to all of these to maintain their majority. Now, over in the House, there are roughly three dozen toss-up races. The bulk of those are held by Democrats, including the New York seat held by Representative Sean Patrick Maloney, who's responsible for running Democrats' national campaign organization. There are two races in Virginia, though, that could give us an early indication of how this night is going to go. Democratic Representative Abigail Spanberger is in a tough fight against Latina conservative Yesley Vega in the 7th District. And Representative Elaine Luria, a Navy veteran who was on the House January 6th committee, is facing off against another female naval officer, Jen Kiggins. Now, both of these Democrats are moderates who helped flip the House back in 2018 over to Democrats. But guys, they are called frontliners for a reason. And the polls in these show... Yeah. Show, show that they're very tight. I mean, right now, both uh, the Virginia 2 and the Virginia 7 are considered toss-up elections. Uh, right now, it looks like both Spanberger and Luria have had a slight lead, but again, well within the margin of error. So, you know, Virginia polls close at 7 p.m., mm -hmm. so that could be one of the first states where we really kind of get to see which way things are going to go. Yeah, that people say Virginia is one to watch, and, you know, we already had Glenn Youngkin, so there's some precedent there, but... I think the governor's, I think Wes's looks very solid. Youngkin was, Youngkin uh, is actually campaigning today uh, for in Jen Maryland. Kiggins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, in, yeah, yeah, right. in Virginia. Yeah. Right. You mean Wes Moore in, in Maryland? In, in Maryland, right. yeah. I think he's, he looks good. He's, he's a great guy, war hero.
Yeah, so the governor's races, I think, Former are going to be super interesting as well. You yeah. know, what happens in Arizona. So it's not just all about the control of Congress. It's all about what happens in the state houses and the legislature as well. Great. Elon, thank you very much. And folks, a reminder for you, make sure you tune in to CNBC's election night special, Business on the Ballot. It starts tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be hitting the business topics at play in the midterms and how those results could impact your money. Make sure you join us 7 p.m. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod. We're heading into the gaming universe, but not the metaverse, at least not yet. We're talking to the CEO of Take-Two Interactive, parent company of games like Grand Theft Auto and NBA 2K, Strauss Zelnick. Even though we're using a computer screen to play a game or have a Zoom meeting, we still can interact with people around us physically. You can't do that when you have a headset on. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old School Grit, New World Ideas, Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. This is Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC on Election Day Live from the NASDAQ market set in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Shares of Take-Two Interactive are plunging this morning after the company reported revenue that missed estimates. Take-Two now says that it expects a much bigger net loss for the fiscal year than it previously had forecast. That slashed outlook comes as gaming slows, particularly games on mobile devices, after two years of elevated sales and engagement during the pandemic. Joining us right now to break down the numbers and tell us what he's seeing in consumer confidence is Strauss Zelnick. He is the chairman and CEO of Take-Two Interactive. And, and Strauss, we were just talking about it. Um, we appreciate you coming here uh, during good times, but also during bad times to explain to people what's going on. So thank you for coming in, first of all. Pleasure. Um, I, I think last night the CFO said that about 70 percent of the download revision was because of a much weaker than expected mobile business and the release shifts that you all were talking about. So why don't we walk through those numbers first? First of all, what's happened with mobile gaming and people's interactions with it? Well, here's the good news. Engagement remains really strong, and we have a terrific lineup of hit titles in, in the mobile space. Uh, so engagement's great. Spending is under some pressure in-game. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that 90 plus percent of our consumers actually don't spend money on our mobile titles, of course. The people who spend remain a relatively small percentage, and you can still enjoy our titles without spending, which is the intent. But when people are under some pressure, when the cost of fuel and food has gone up, then they may choose to spend a little bit less. Interestingly, our advertising net bookings are way up. They're up sort of mid-teens year over year. So we are seeing that, and we're seeing lots of great news in terms of ongoing engagement. That also speaks to our 
console and PC business, which is very strong in terms of engagement as well. Is mobile spend down relative to just these heights that we've seen? Is it down relative to what we saw pre-pandemic? Was that kind of a one-off that we had a lot of people with time on their hands and a lot of extra cash on their hands? Well, it's pretty much uh, penciled out the way I expected. I, during the pandemic, I was here, we talked about it, and we said, look, we expect demand post-pandemic to be higher than pre-pandemic and lower than during the pandemic. After all, people were stuck at home, and digital entertainment was one of the things that you could do. And so, in fact, on an apples-to-apples -apples basis, Take-Two is a lot bigger today than it was pre-pandemic, and it's smaller than it was a bit during the pandemic. What, what are the shifts that you were talking about? And, and how much is it because of the shifts? How much of it is because of mobile spending? The, the changes in our release schedule were relatively modest, but we did have some titles that moved out of the year. It's, and but the so good news is it, we have 87 titles coming between fiscal 23 and fiscal 25. Are you surprised by the reaction in the stock market, down 18%? I am a little surprised. I mean, it seems a bit severe. But in fairness, there are awful lot of, um, you know, there are awful lot of securities that are under pressure right now, particularly in the entertainment space. Mm -hmm. And after all, you know, I never argue with the market, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but y y it's hard to believe in the market in any given day. Over uh, time, of course, the market ends up being right. We will trade on our fundamentals over time. Um, you know, this is a challenging moment from a stock price point of view. It's not a challenging moment from a company point of view. We're still looking at really solid results, 5.4 to $5.5 billion in net bookings, over $650 million in operating cash flow expected for the year. This is a really solid company that's exceedingly well positioned and is you know, the number two or number three pure play interactive entertainment company, depending on what happens with Microsoft and Activision. What, what do you think is going to happen with Microsoft Activision and how does that change um, your plans as you move forward? It doesn't change our plans. Uh, we, we don't really think the competitive landscape is meaningfully affected in the event that that merger goes through. It's hard to say what will happen at this point. If you'd asked me when it was first announced, I would have said I thought it was about a 90% chance it would, it would be approved. It's looking right. as though it's less than that. The regulators, they called you, I'm sure? Uh, they did call the company. And, and you told them what? We had no concerns. You, Still a you fragmented. And do you think that some of your, your peers said the same thing? Or do you think some of you, do you think there's a group of people that are complaining to Washington that this deal shouldn't happen? Well, there's and, one big company that is, but apart from that, no. And who are you referring to? <laughs> I'm not going to refer to that company here. But we're, we're, generally speaking, I don't think people are particularly concerned because it remains a fragmented business. And after all, we just did a very big merger Same and it was approved. And, you know, and we think that was the right thing. How yeah. are things going with that? That was a Things are going great. You know, the, first of all, now nearly 50% of our net bookings come from mobile, which is the fastest growing part of the interactive entertainment business. The interactive entertainment business is the fastest growing part of the entertainment business. You know, it's... it's human nature to be concerned with what happens today and furthermore human nature to believe that whatever is happening today will always happen in the future but of, of course the opposite is true things always change when will we be able to live in the metaverse and will i just be playing gaming all day long and, and will you wish you hadn't worked so hard on your physical body because your avatar would be <laughs> just pick the just avatar you want yeah it would already be totally uh, look ripped. you can live in the digital world right now grand theft auto online is this massive digital world where you can uh you can pursue missions you can have stories told I think to you mark wants to move out of the 
the metaverse uh. at this point. I don't think he likes living there. When is well, it going to be worth living in? I mean, you saw, is it all about gaming or is there more? But Andrew's going to visit I, Rome uh, with glasses no, on. I'm right? a I'm a big I'm a long-term bull on when? the idea of, of this. Is it all? I think it's all gaming. I mean, I think it's crazy to think you're going to live inside your goggles for eight or 10 hours a day. I agree I think that. you'll live inside your goggles for two or three or four hours a day in the same way that you live in front of a Playing TV a game screen. Though. It's gaming though, right? Gaming, or no, no, or if you're on a Zoom, instead of being on a Zoom call, you might do that instead. You might live there. I mean, there's some pretty, I've played with this thing. It's pretty great and actually but a lot gaming. better, I would I, argue I just to you, think it's to be in gaming. a conversation with three of you, if we yeah. had to do it remotely, with the goggles on than yeah. it would be to actually wear the, uh, than, than to do it on Zoom. I'm not sure I agree with you because the notion of occluding your vision and hearing is something we're not super comfortable with. And even though we're using a computer screen to play a game or have a Zoom meeting, we still can interact with people around us physically. You can't do that when you have a headset on. So I'm not sure. I do think right now the manifestation of what some people call the metaverse, we do not, is really interactive entertainment. Will it be the way that we communicate all day long, every day, uh, in the future? I don't believe so. Strauss, there have been a, a wave of layoffs at technology firms that have been hit hard, that their stock prices have been hit hard. Your stock's down now over 50% for the last year, but you're not looking at any layoffs right now. Well, we have made some changes, of course, in the integration with Zynga. And that integration has gone remarkably well. We said that we were looking for $100 million of annual cost savings. We've been able to achieve that and then some in a very short period of time. Th those will roll out into our numbers in the next two years. We've also said that we're looking for $500 million in annual revenue synergies, and we need the best people to actually create that opportunity. And we feel good about that opportunity as well. So we've had some modest reductions in force. We certainly are not looking at anything major. One part of our strategy is to be the most efficient company, along with being the most innovative and the most creative. We think we're pretty efficiently managed as it is. We have about 11,000 people. I don't really see that changing, and we don't believe in hiring freezes. Um, when you look at the cost you paid for Zynga, you still think it's worth it, even with mobile spending down at this point? It's an accretive deal, and it was a unique moment in time. So on the metrics, the deal absolutely makes sense. Our, our EPS is higher than would be without Zynga. So you know, the math says it's still a good deal. You'd love to pick the perfect moment in time, but who knows if there's a transaction to be done at that moment in time. And it was a unique opportunity to become one of the largest pure play companies, but more importantly, to be exposed properly to the future of the business, to address those consumers who prefer console and PC games, and to be there for a completely different audience that loves mobile games, and to do it with what we think is the best collection of owned intellectual property in the business. Charles, two questions for you. One is, we're seeing um, layoffs technology companies across across the spectrum. H how are you thinking about that? Is that opportunity for you? Are you going to be hiring people? Are you going to be, I mean, can you do more with less? What are you thinking? We always try to do more with, with less. We try to be hugely efficient. Uh, and there are some opportunities as some competitive companies lay off to, to bring talent to Take-Two uh, and to our affiliates. And we are seeing some opportunities. And then secondarily, this goes back to sort of the the, the chessboard of acquisitions. We've long talked to you about the idea of you remaining it. You've talked about wanting to be an independent company, and uh, but I think forever, as long as I can remember, there's been speculation that you would be a takeover target by one of the big media companies. When you look at some of the some of what's happening now uh, between the streamers who want maybe some growth, um, you look at where Netflix is trying to get into mobile gaming right now. 
Uh, there was talk at one point that Comcast was looking at EA. Where, where do you think you'll be in all of that in a couple of years from now? What does that look like to you? Even with our stock under pressure, it's a really good long-term story. You know, we took over the company when it was $11 a share. So you know, I preferred our stock when it was a lot higher, but it's still a good story no, no, about could, an independent you, company. I think you that- You could exit as a winner. I'm, not, I'm just trying to think through what you think that chessboard looks like. I still think there's a great opportunity for a small group of really capable, creative, independent companies in our space. And so far, uh, it hasn't appeared that aggregation of interactive entertainment companies has been a great thing for shareholders or consumers. Can we just go back to what you were saying about ad spend? Um, the idea that you're actually seeing ad spend up is kind of amazing when you look around the tech and the social media landscape right now. Everybody else is complaining. Yeah, there's about a lot of carnage out there. Doing it. What, yeah. what, what's happening? How come we you're actually doing found that? an opportunity to put ad units in titles that didn't have them before? So okay. it's it's also that we're over indexing, I think, by doing a good job and because of the consumer engagement. But in many instances, we've had some titles that didn't previously have ad units on the mobile side. That I was going to say, did. is that mobile yeah, mostly? it's almost entirely mobile. And basically what we're saying to consumers is, look, there's an advertising opportunity if you don't want to spend money. So it's free. You just got to deal with some ads along yeah. the way. That makes sense. But engagement is, is up in mobile or is flat or is, is down by maybe less than you would have anticipated? It's either flat or up for us pretty much across the board, but that's because we have a lot of great titles. And that's true on the console side as well. Engagement is really strong, but in-game spending can be under a bit of pressure. This is why I think it's driven by the economy. If it were driven by something going on with the titles, you'd see that reflected in engagement. And with the launch of NBA 2K23, for example, we've sold in almost 5 million units. It's pretty much the same as last year. And virtual currency is meaningfully up. True or false? Breakfast is the most important <laughs> meal of the day. Breakfast is the most Definitely haven't false. you heard that? False. Definitely false. But haven't you but heard? I did hear it. Well, I got to just hold that. Contextualize this so people understand. This is one of the the great, fit. most fit exactly. CEOs in he America. Fasts. He fasts. And a lot of people have already already told me I got that he fasts. People have to fast. Do I have to? And yes, so Joe. You have I to have fast in the morning. I have one crappy egg. egg. One hard-boiled egg. Your egg fast. is fine. One, huh? It's totally fine. There's oh, nothing wrong with it. One egg is fine. Two eggs. Well, it's not working because it's. Breakfast was the most important uh, meal of the day. It was on the back of, you know, the sugared cereal box when I was oh. a little kid. And it, and it had a picture of perfect breakfast, <laughs> which was sugared cereal, cereal toast, I'm, and orange juice. Basically that. all sugar. Yep. No, that is not the most important meal of the day. Strauss, I want to thank you very much for coming in. Again, thank Strauss you. Zelnick. Thanks. Take Good to see you all. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, it's layoff season for Silicon Valley. Tech players big and small are making cuts. So who should be nervous? Workforce consultant Jason Greer joins us. If you happen to be a superstar talent, your employer knows it and they're going to give you some leeway. But at the same time, you've got to be prepared for the fact that there are superstar talents that are coming out of graduate school every single day. Plus, not every employee is a star player all the time. Tyson Foods CFO, for example, isn't having his best week. He's young. He's very young. I remember college. What? I was just wasn't really sure where the hell I was. Office strategies and mistakes all after this. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations. 
helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Becky Quick. It's been a big year for layoffs, especially in technology. According to the Crunchbase layoff tracker, there have been over 52,000 layoffs this year, 15% of those happening just last week, targeting those especially who work remotely. The layoffs come from companies like Twitter, Carvana, Robinhood, Stripe, and Lyft, with Facebook parent Meta expected to report even more layoffs this week. So should you return to the office to protect your job? Joining us right now is Jason Greer, Greer Consulting's president. And Jason, we know anecdotally these numbers are, are really starting to add up. But what, what what does the overall picture look like right now? The overall picture does not look good for remote workers. Let's be real. And I'm going to say this to remote workers right now. Five, six months ago, I was on the show talking about how this was the year of the employee. And now that pendulum has swung to it being the year of the executive. And executives are doing the math. They're looking at all the real estate they're spending money on. And more importantly, they're seeing that a recession is coming. And unfortunately, it's remote workers that might potentially be at the forefront of being the first to be laid off. You know, we, we talked about this for months and months, if not years, during the pandemic, that things were different, right. that this was going to be an evolution, that remote work was going to be the way of the future. Was that just another kind of swing of the pendulum where workers had all the rights and had all because it was just a workers market and now it's swung back? A hundred percent. And it all comes down to dollars and cents. Look, during the pandemic, for the most part, everybody was working from home. Then that pendulum swung. And now people are coming out of the pandemic. They're working. Actually, corporations are forcing their people to come back to the office. And I think it's an element of workers want all of the benefits, all of the things that come with working at home. But the reality is that work takes place in the office. And that's what we're seeing. Are there... Exam- I mean, are there exceptions to the rule? Are there people, because they are superstar performers, who are going to be allowed to continue to work at home and, and they should rest a little lightly on this? 100%. I talk to executives all year long, and I will tell you, I've been behind the closed doors where people talk in terms of who are superstars versus who are people who we can let go. It's unfortunate. But generally speaking, if you happen to be a superstar talent, your employer knows it, and they're going to give you some leeway. But at the same time, you've got to be prepared for the fact that there are superstar talents that are coming out of graduate school every single day. So it's one of those things that, that you be careful. You know that you're a talent, but also be careful about the fact that your employer is always looking for somebody else. So what do you tell remote workers? Here's what I'm going to tell you. You enjoy working from home. The benefits are great. But please understand that a recession is here. Five, six months ago, I wouldn't have been saying this to you, but now I'm saying this to you directly. The sea tides have changed. The recession is here. And if you are scared that potentially you're going to be laid off, get back into the office, protect yourself, get to know your manager because proximity bias is a real thing. And managers tend to protect those people that they know, see, and more importantly, they know their favorite football team. Hmm. What do you um, look around? Is this more than just technology at this point? Is this a broader shift for the, for the workplace overall? I'm seeing this happening in multiple industries, and the recession is real. It's not just a tech thing. You know, tech tends to get more of the media, but I'm seeing this happening in manufacturing. I'm seeing it happening in healthcare, where employers were already at a point, you know, during the pandemic, they made the concession that we need to do remote work, but it's not something that they really want to do. Now that the recession is here, it's a very good opportunity for employers to start pulling people back to the office. And the reality is that a lot of employees don't want to come back to the office. But they, unfortunately, are making themselves incredibly easy targets. Do you think that, that um, 
The sentiment has changed, though. I mean, I, I see it around me. I, people who maybe wanted to stay home a few months ago aren't so vocal about it anymore. I think the sentiment's changed to an extent, but it depends on really it breaks down in terms of generations. Because when you look at the millennials and Gen Z, for the most part, you know, it's a mixed bag. So there are some millennials and Gen Z that say, I want to go to the office because I want my manager to see what I can do because I'm going to progress in the company. Then you have the other side of that that are saying, well, if I can do everything from home, why would I come in? But what I'm seeing amongst people of my age demographic, I'm 48 years old, is they weren't really comfortable doing remote work in the first place. So they want to come back to the office. They want to come back to some semblance of normalcy. And also they get tired of their kids being behind them every single day that they're on a Zoom call. Yeah, probably matters what the boss says a little more right now, too. Jason, 100%. thank you. <laughs> Jason, hey, thanks here. for having me. Thank you. Here's a crazy story for you. The CFO of Tyson Foods arrested over the weekend on charges of criminal trespass and public intoxication. Police say that John R. Tyson, son of Chairman John H. Tyson, was found drunk and asleep inside a stranger's home in Fayetteville, Arkansas. A woman who lived in the home called the police saying she believed she left the front door unlocked and returned home to find a male she did not know asleep in her bed. The company released a statement saying it is aware of the incident and had no comment on what is called a personal matter. Tyson is due to appear in court December 1st. Told you it was a wild story. It is. Thinking of Beyond Meat. No, I was actually okay. just thinking of... There was another problem with Tyson, too, by the way, just a couple months ago with another executive. It's a, right. It's a, no, maybe it's... Crazy it's I was just saying about he's young. He's very young. I remember college, and there were a couple times I wasn't... Really, what? I was just wasn't really sure where the hell I was. And that's Squawk Pod for today, Election Day 2022. On our rundown tomorrow, what happens next? We'll be breaking down the races and the policies that investors will be watching. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We're available every day for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, you can find us. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.